0: y'all. My name is Lisa Nicole, independent country artist coming at you from beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Welcome to my podcast where each week I and occasional special guests aim to inspire you both on and off the stage. Join us as I dig in deep into behind the scenes of my life, my music, my heart, the music business and exclusive lifestyle and fitness tips. Now settle up and thank y'all so much for tuning in. All right, buckle up, kids, because I'm about to give you a good and long educational podcast today about how to book your own tour or show. In a DIY, do-it-yourself, music business, there are a lot of hats you must be able to wear, and most booking agents, managers, and record labels will tell you there are basic and not-so-basic parts of the music business you should know and be able to do on your own before they will even consider taking you on as a client. One of them is knowing how to book a show or a tour. It's not just one email. And bam, it's done. There's negotiating, planning, preparation to do. And it's a lot easier said than done. The more prepared you are, the better you look. And the more someone will want to work with you. Think of how many bands and artists are applying for the spot you're applying for. If you can one-up them by being prepared and professional, well, why wouldn't you? The music business, like any other, is about making money. A venue wants to book artists that will fill their venue. And if they don't fill it, they don't make money. I think this is why a lot of venues are going down the door deal route more and more these days. It's easy for us as artists to judge venues that want to do door deals, but I also understand their point of view as well. That said, if you're playing for the door, they better be feeding you and hopefully putting you up for the night. I also feel throwing even $200 at the band should be doable, even with a door deal. They're definitely going to make that on bar sales. Before we go deep into this, I still believe We should be paid for what we are worth. A lot of people think when they're hiring a musician, they're paying for someone to stand on the stage and sing for a couple of hours. But where you're actually paying for is not just that one night show. It's that, plus the hours of time you've put into preparing for the gig, rehearsals, and rehearsal space you have to rent, how much money you've invested to create new music for your fans, the hours of practice time, promotion costs, travel and accommodation costs, and so much more that artists and musicians don't directly get paid for. This is why I believe you should always pay your artists something, and that's why it takes a special breed to chase a music career. I'm going to go through some strategies on how to book these gigs and make it as easy as possible, and a few, few mistakes I've made along the way. There are four themes for each of these points. What type of venue is it? How long are you playing for? Set lists. How much are you getting paid? So where do you want to play? Or even better yet, what is the right venue to play? Are you planning a six-week tour, a weekend, or a one-nighter? Is it in a market you are known or unknown? These are all factors that come into play when booking. I've played venues from coffee shops to songwriters' rounds, bar shows, theaters, music festivals, house concerts, private parties, and they're all different and unique in how you approach them. How much you get paid, how long you play, etc. Let's start with the basic bar band show. Oh, and I'm going to stick to the country music genre just for the sake of being consistent, and that's what I know best. So, you're booking a big country bar or a few nights at a casino. These are generally the moneymaker shows where they book you for a couple nights in a row, but there are always lots of one offs as well. The set list A few things you need to know when booking a venue like this is you are going to play covers, and you must know the top 40 and most popular songs in your genre, and multiple genres. For me, typical covers I would do are Any Man Mind, Shania Twain, Jolene, Dolly Parton, I Want to Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston, Peace of My Heart, Janis Droplin, some rock, and some pop with The Middle and Maren Morris. So you see, I've got some top country from now and way back, some rock, pop, and one pop song that's trending right now or at least within the last year. A good place to seek out which songs are popular is the Billboard charts, or even just Google popular female country songs, and same for pop and rock. When I'm playing these venues, depending on how many sets, I try to do at least half originals, half covers, but that also depends on how much material you have and how many sets there are. I mean, ideally, you wanna play 75% original music, but again, that depends, do you have enough original music for that? If it's three one-hour sets, you're most likely going to be playing 75% covers. All right, set lengths. For a cover band bar type of gig, they usually start at 9 or 10 p.m. and go until 1 or 2 in the morning because the people coming to these venues are usually, sadly, not there for the artists all the time, but just to have a good time and get really wasted. (laughs) The key, though, is to make them leave remembering who you are. If you're playing this gig from 9 to 1 in the morning, you can negotiate how long your sets are. 30 minutes, not usually but more common is 45 minutes or one hour sets. And my favorite number is 40 minutes, right in the middle. For me, less is always more because then you can always put out your best songs and you don't have to worry about any fillers. Three one hour sets is really long. And for myself, it's hard to keep my energy up. And then do that three nights in a row? It's tough. You'll find what is the most doable for you and how you can put your best foot forward. And this is why I love, myself, music festivals and headliner shows because you generally play for one hour. And it's one hour of your best songs and your best energy. You don't need to worry about playing those filler songs that you've played a hundred times. Payment. For these type of gigs, it can really vary. It varies for all shows. It's just about doing a little research to see how much you can get or knowing the limit of what a venue would pay. Without being greedy or asking for too much, there is a real fine line. There are also variables such as, again, how many sets? Is it a full band or a duo? Are they feeding you? And a big one is, are they putting you up for the night? Is there travel involved? How much money will you spend on advertising? This also depends on if you are a solo artist or a band. If it's a band, you generally split everything, the expenses and the payment. If you are a solo artist, you're going to be paying for your musicians. I'll go over a few examples. I like to pay my players on the minimum per night, 150 per player and ideally 200 and if it's a good paying gig 250. So you've got to factor in your expenses and also when you can you should be making double what your players are making. If you are the artist putting out all the money and all the work and effort and booking the shows because there will be shows where you have to pay the band and not yourself. So generally this will even out. Start with your hard expenses which are paying the band, accommodations and fuel or flights. From there, I build my budget. I definitely do not want to lose money, obviously, although sometimes that happens. If it's a popular cover bar close to home, start with $1,500. That's about $800 for four members, $50 for posters, $100 for advertising, $50 for fuel maybe. That leaves you with $500 in your pocket. Ideal. If someone wants you for a second night, you can take out the travel expenses and give them a deal for the second night. For a duo act, which I love, I like to start with eight hundred dollars for a night of three sets. Or maybe six hundred if it's close to home, but definitely no less than four hundred. That said, you bet I've done a duo show for three hundred dollars. And that would have been probably a weeknight I was trying to fill while on tour. It's better to play for some money than no money, right? So Say the gig is out of town, you have to drive eight hours. First of all, before saying yes, you need to decide if you want to go that far and for how much money you're willing to go that far for. Is it a new market for you that you'd like to break into? Can you book something along the way? The other huge thing when booking shows is, are you booking a full band, a duo, or a solo gig? For example, the other day, I played a solo gig for $75. I originally asked for $200, As a duo act, I still want to pay my guy minimum $150, and again, if there are gigs where your players play for $100, then just offset that with another gig that pays more, and give them $300. This is where I mean every show is completely different. When you are booking a show with a band, if it's close to home, where no one has to stay the night, or the venue provides hotel rooms, great. Where it gets tricky when booking full band tours is the accommodations and travel, especially if there are weeknights with no gigs or pay where you still have to put everyone up. This is why I tend to book the larger three to six week tours as a duo act. And if I need to, in the larger cities, book a full band gig, I'll pick up players. Now in the bigger cities, Vancouver, Calgary, and Toronto, I have full bands I can play with that I've built over the years through trial and error of finding the right players. So there you have some info for the typical bar band show. Let's talk about a theater performance. These are one of my favorites because the audience usually pays a higher fee to come watch you. This is not going to be a built-in audience like a bar would where the people are already coming to eat and drink anyways. Putting on a theater show takes so much more hustle though. Some of the big variables are you are promoting the show yourself or did you book a promoter to help? I myself have always promoted the shows myself so I don't have much to say about the latter. Theater venues vary in sizes, capacity, and rental costs. This is where you have to look at the market you're playing. Can you fill this venue to be able to cover that $200 or $500 rental cost plus your hard costs? There's also the cost of hiring an in-house sound engineer or bringing your own sound guy in. That's still going to cost you. I haven't had to hire a ton of sound guys myself. Usually the venue either has one and covers that or we do our own sound a lot, mostly only if it's a duo. I don't have too much to comment on this part, but I would imagine a sound guy wouldn't want to leave his house for less than $200. If you think about it, they're going to be there just as long as the band. Back to planning this theater show, your set list is going to be way different than the bar gig. And this is where you can get creative. You could hire an opening act. They play 30 minutes, you play 90 minutes, or maybe you play two 45-minute sets with an intermission. What I love about the theater shows is again that less is more idea. In a 90 minute set, I can fill that with 90% original material now, but I'm also going on my third album. For a newer artist, you can still do the show, of course, but you may have to do a little more covers, and I've done that too. The one theater gig I know I can sell out is my hometown, but it still takes so much hustle. I have driven to people's homes to drop off tickets. If you can just get tickets in people's hands, that's always best. Getting people to commit to things these days is so hard. I don't know if it's just my area or my demographic of friends and fans, but even just this week, I played a show that didn't have any ticket sales until the week of. Naturally, I was panicking a bit, but in the end, it was a great show. This is why if I'm putting on a theater show, I print off tickets and I get them in people's hands. That's a lot easier if you live in the city you're playing. So what do you do if you don't live in the city? Have you ever heard of a street team? Your true fans want to help you. They want to see you succeed, so reach out to them. You can ask them to put up posters, spread the word, maybe run your merch table, and in return, they get a couple tickets to the show. And payment to your band is whatever you decide. You just don't know what you'll bring in sometimes. So I'll say, I will guarantee you $150 out of my pocket, and if we do really well, 200. Also, there are grants out there that you can apply for to put towards the costs of promoting these shows. This sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? (laughs) Because it is. Promoting your own shows is a lot of work. Putting them together, booking them, it's a lot. Now you have a Tuesday night to fill on tour, and you've been offered to play a coffee shop or a songwriter round. These venues are either not going to pay or going to pay you like $100 or even pay you with food and beverages. This, of course, still always depends on the venue. The thing is, for a Monday in a market you are unknown and you're just starting out, this might make sense. Those weeknights can be really hard to fill, so getting anything can help. It's more common down in the U.S., but you can also put out a tip jar for those kinds of shows. Here's a perfect example. Just the other day, I was playing that solo show. It was an apres ski show that paid $75 plus $50 towards food and drink. I played for an hour and a half. I noticed that partway through, people were coming up and putting money in my merch suitcase. This isn't super common in Canada. When I lived in Nashville and toured the States last year, that's all it was. After I thought about it, though, I was at a ski hill full of tourists, mostly Americans that are used to tipping the artists. One person even asked me where my tip jar was. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I probably could have put one out for this type of show. Whereas where I played three nights back at Wild Bills in Banff with the full band, I wouldn't. A, because they're paying me a guarantee, and B, because they're already paying a cover to watch you. The set list at a show like this, a coffee shop or a songwriter round, Um, would depend on how long you're playing. Of course, if it's a songwriter round, you're only going to play original music, maybe one cover. But always aim for at least 75% original music when you can, and hopefully 90%. Sometimes you think people want to hear the covers, but even just last night, I heard, I love your original music so much more, and it was so catchy. That was a breath of fresh air to hear. It's just something we need to remind ourselves of sometimes. Why are you doing this? If you want to be a cover band, then stick to that. But if you want to be an original artist, push your original music. I really love these shows, and they're often acoustic, and I love playing acoustic. Um, band shows, of course, are so much fun, too. It's a hard toss-up. I just love, though, how stripped down an acoustic show is. Let's touch a bit on house concerts. These can be so fun. Just like that theater show, the people usually come for the music specifically. And they're also super intimate and... You can generally charge a bit more because you're obviously not going to get 200 people at a house concert. Depending on the house, I would say 20 to 40 people. For these shows, I would do $15 to $25 cover depending on your level. Usually these events are BYOB and even potluck style. When I go down to Nashville, I play the It's All About Z Music house concert, which has evolved into something so much more from the first time I played there in 2012. Now they've built a new house and a room specifically to host their house concerts. They just love music that much. And that is where I met Dave Panish, who I wrote Wait On Me With, which is my new single. If you haven't heard it, check it out. (laughs) Amazing. Sometimes the host will have accommodations in their home for the touring artists as well. So that's always really nice. Okay, how to book the show. I have a huge Google spreadsheet of my venue database I have tabs for Canada, the US, music festivals, rodeos and fairs, Nashville, ski hills and house concerts. On the Canada tab, I have over 450 venues and contacts. Keep in mind I've been building this for 8 years, I've got about 75 festivals and so on. I'm constantly updating it and changing contacts as venues either close, sadly, or ownership changes or the person who books the music changes. What I love about Instagram, for example, is you have an easy access to send a DM and ask, what is the contact name and email for music bookings? And picking up the good old telephone works too. Also, Instagram is good for engaging with the venue or festival you want to play. Give them a follow and support them. When I'm writing the email, I generally try to find the name of the person. We'll use George. That's my dad's name. (laughs) So it would go something like this. And I'm going to read this to you from one of my recent emails. Make sure you tell them what you want. Be brief and stay relevant. They don't need to read a novel, nor do they have time. Start off with their name and recognize that they are a human being behind the computer. From there, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and why you are emailing them. Talk in short form about what's new with you, whether it be a new single, album, music video, top 40 song, Leave links to your music and your EPK and never, never, ever attach a song unless they ask. Send a YouTube or a SoundCloud link. And I say YouTube and SoundCloud over Spotify and Apple because not everyone has subscriptions to these. Even better, of course, is to link your website as long as the music is on it. If you can, let them know the date you're specifically looking for or maybe offer a few dates that would work. Don't mention budget yet. You're just getting to know them and making an introduction and building the relationship. It would go something like this. Hi, George. I hope this finds you well. My name is Lisa Nicole. I am a country artist based in BC. I would love to play a show at your venue September 29th. We just released my new single, Wait On Me, and currently we have over 50,000 streams on Spotify. We've just secured placements on Global and CTV all over Canada, and the song is sitting at 45 on the media base charts. Here's a link to the song. Here's a link to the music video. Here's a link to my EPK. My social media links are below. Look forward to hearing back. Thank you kindly, Lisa. And at the bottom of my email, I have my logo and all my social media and website links. In the subject line, I would write Lisa Nicole Booking The Bluebird Cafe, or Country Artist Lisa Nicole Booking. I like to write the name of the venue in the subject for my own organization. That way I can clearly see which venue I've emailed, which is great for follow-ups. Here's a little mistake I've made before. When you're trying to book a tour, you're obviously sending a lot of emails. I generally have a standard email I send to everyone, but I change the venue names and the person I'm reaching out to, or whatever else I need to. But be careful with this. Copy and paste is a great tool But when you're working fast and you're trying to get this done, you can make the mistake of forgetting to change the name, change the venue or the contact person. This is my one tip to pay close attention to because I've had to send that second follow up email. Hi, John. Sorry about that last email. It's embarrassing and it makes it feel unpersonal. I would also like to add if you can give the booker stats on what your fan base is like in that area you're trying to book, like your mailing list, social media insights, how many tickets you've sold in the past, that is super relevant. And of course, follow up a week or two later if you haven't heard back. A great tool I use now for remembering to follow up is just, hey Siri, remind me to follow up with the OK Corral in two weeks. It works really good. A follow-up email would go something along the lines of, Hi George, this is Lisa Nicole again. I'm just following up on my last email about booking a show at your venue on September 29th. Have you had a chance to look over my material? Look forward to hearing back. Thank you kindly, Lisa. Okay guys, the last few things I'd like to add is to just treat everyone with kindness, be on time, be professional, and have fun. You're pursuing music because you love it. You're so passionate about it. Every gig is going to be different and you will lose money and you will play to two people. But don't let those shows deter you. There will be good and bad days and sometimes you just have to dig deep and remember why you're doing this in the first place. For the fans that do come to your shows, make them feel VIP. They are there to see you. They've decided to give up their Friday night to watch you perform. They've decided to spend their hard earned money on your music and your show. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. I hope you found something valuable out of all of that. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to message me on Instagram or head over to lisanicholemusic.com and send me an email at lisanicholemusic is Instagram, by the way. I'd love to hear from you and I hope you all have a blessed day.